It's 2016, everybody. <clears throat> in fact, it's already the third day in the new year. Aren't we glad, indeed, that last year is moving on down the road? The expectancy and the freshness of a new year has dawned. Joyfully and therapeutically, our God is a God of new beginnings, as the film says, of new creations every day. Not just when the ball drops in Times Square one more midnight, but every day, every new morning, we have a fresh start on our lives, on our faith, and on our relationships, especially when we are here. Here on Sunday mornings, we come to the resiliency headquarters, as I call it. The resiliency headquarters for a tune-up and a recharge. Here at Weekly Worship, God's Word reminds us and our testimonies convince us that God is with us no matter what. His light shines in the darkness, and no darkness can overcome it. The familiar and rich gospel of John today spells out the gift of Christmas. Once upon a time, in Genesis, we know well, God created the world and the seas and the moon and the stars and the animals by speaking them into existence. The God said, let there be, and there was. God said. So now this morning, we realize that something over time went terribly wrong with that creation, with our relationship with God, and it needed fixing. So as the Message Bible author Eugene Peterson puts it, we have a new beginning, a new creation, as God speaks salvation into being now in the person of Jesus. John's Gospel begins in the beginning, just as it mimics Genesis, in the beginning. But now we have a new form of creation in Jesus, who not only speaks the Word of God to us, but he is the embodiment of the Word of God. And he doesn't act like some demanding dictator or some guru of secret knowledge, as Peterson translates it. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Instead of and dwells among us, he moved into the neighborhood. Favorite part of John's gospel in the Message Bible. <clears throat> in other words, Jesus has emptied himself into the, our limited skin and walks in our sneakers to create a new relationship of deep intimacy with our God. Now, few accepted him, according to John. It still may be true in our world. Few accepted him. Even his own people rejected him. But those who embrace him are also made new creations, born again to their true selves, as Peterson says, their child of God selves. Your true self isn't the self in sin and in in, uh, mourning and in alienation. Our true self is to be a child of God's self in God's eyes, where it begins in baptism. After spending a few days over the last uh, week with our grandchildren, 
I can better understand God's strategy here. That is, why he became incarnate in the flesh as a limited human being in Jesus. To reach us and to not frighten us away. Now, I am no model grandparent, having had no children of my own. You can work on that for a while. But nowadays, I am tutored by our five-year-old fraternal twins from New Jersey, Egg Harbor. We see them rarely, but when, we do vis- when they do visit us in Skipac, <clears throat> they stay a few days and overnight. Upon arrival, they are jammed in the car and ready to jump out, but they are afraid of Rob and me, hesitant and guarded. The kids aren't sure if we're going to be tyrants about spilling milk on our floor or taking away their beeping toys that are driving us crazy. Gradually, as we talk on their level and move into their neighborhood of Barbie dolls with rainbow-colored hair, of talking stuffed animals, and singing lullaby bedtime toys, the relationship warms up. This process, however, takes patience and humility from us adults. Getting into a preschooler's tiny shoes and limited experience with life takes a labor of love. But thankfully now, little Lily and I are forging our relationship about dogs and how to train them. She wants a dog desperately but can't have one right now. So she's learning to feed Dibley, not be afraid of her, and so I patiently let her take the leash on the walks and do uh, the tricks with her and feed her dinner and whatever. Now, despite mistakes, I encourage her to try again. I'm glad to report, finally, that the relationship and the trust is growing rapidly now with Lily. And when she climbed in the car to leave this time, she looked at me and said, I'm going to miss you, Momo. And I said, I'm going to miss you too. Much to my surprise. Now, it is God's strategy, of course, to kneel down to our level and to become one with us so that we also are not afraid of this awesome God. The author of the popular novel The Shack, which many of us read years ago here in great depth, William Young, expounds on Jesus uh, becoming incarnate in flesh and blood to save us. There's a God character in this novel who is talking to Max, the grieving father. He says to him, Max, you don't play a game or color a picture with a child to show your superiority. Rather, you choose to limit yourself, to facilitate and honor that relationship. It's not about winning or losing, but about love and respect. Relationships are never about power. And one way to avoid the will to power is to choose to limit oneself, to serve. Humans often do this in touching the infirm or the sick, in serving the ones whose minds have left to wander, and in relating to the poor. I've been so impressed by someone 
who I think moved into the North Philadelphia neighborhood where under-resourced African-American children live to enable a new creation there. She is co-founder of the St. James Episcopal Charter School at Hunting Park in Allegheny. Her name is Dr. Audrey Evans, and you may have heard of her. Her reputation is amazing, almost world-renowned, I believe. Born in England in 1925, her long career in pioneering cancer research at Boston Children's Hospital eventually led her to an invitation by Everett Koop to come to CHOP here in Philly. There, she changed the future of neuroblastoma and opened the first Ronald McDonald House in Philadelphia. Now she's committed to seeing that a life-changing education is available to those in need. Well, that wasn't how I first saw Dr. Evans. Like Jesus, she humbly came among the students. I was at chapel one Wednesday morning at St. James as a guest preacher. The students and teachers were out there. It was a sea of of African-American faces, and an elderly white woman with white hair was seated in the back, kind of rumpled-looking, fashionably rumpled. And I thought, oh, I wonder who that is. She's not a teacher. She must be one of the poor neighbors that lives around here, just dropping by for some spiritual renewal. But then she showed up across the street in the school building and was talking to people after worship. The headmaster leaned over to me at that time, and he said, Do you know who that is? And I said, I admitted I did not. Every Wednesday, he says, she makes soup for the students and joins them for the whole day to hear how they're doing. This humble, quiet woman with the white hair, 88 years old, was Dr. Evans. She could have taken a respite from work at 88, rested on her fame and her laurels, gone to some tropical island with a vacation home, but but no, she was very much alive and thriving here because she was serving those children at risk at St. James. It's the start of a new year. Where will God lead you? What is your burning passion, your desire to make a difference in our world? So last year didn't turn out as you'd hoped, and you've had time and trouble looking for your calling. You are grieving, perhaps. You are seeking, fighting, laughing. You need something fresh and energizing in your life, some passion and purpose. Well, God is here. You're not alone. Christ is born, and he is one with us, a light that shines in the darkness, and no darkness can overcome it. Happy New Year, new creations. Amen.